Obviously, I mean, a great team. They were the best team in the MLS last year. And I mean, what a great test is going to be for us from the get go to to go down there at their house and play against them in their in their home field. Uh, it's going to be a true test for us. It's going to be a challenge that that we accept and we have to take with full responsibility and we have to be ready to fight for, for the 90 minutes. And, and why not? Why not give the surprise and, and go over there and get a good result? You're listening to Miami Total Football Radio. I'm Eric Krakauer, joined by Franco Panizo. I got it right this time. I anglicized your name in the last pod, and you heard a little bit about it, didn't you? Yeah, I heard heard a couple of comments here and there, but you know we're in preseason form, still trying to get into our regular season form, so uh, I'll let it slide. Yeah, it's unforgivable because I've known you for years. Franco, you just arrived from Inter-Miami practice, talked to players, and I assume that you have a lot to share. Uh, there's a couple of nuggets to share from practice, uh, an injury update or not of sorts, um, and some interesting comments about the the jersey uh, reveal that we saw today. Yeah, those were we were laughing about those earlier on when you got to our makeshift studio here in Miami. If you're back for our second show, thanks for putting up with the preseason sound issues of the first. You might get some of the same on this one, but we're working on the kinks, and just like Inter-Miami, we're in preseason as well. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining us. I hope that you heard good things about the pod, and that is why you are here uh, with us. Well, you're not actually here with us. Well, maybe in spirit. Uh, Why should you listen to Miami Total Football Radio? Well, this is going to be your source for all things Inter-Miami, news analysis, player interviews, actually Uh, As we speak, uh, Franco's being stood up by one of the players. We won't tell you who it is. Uh, We will also answer your questions and respond to your comments. A little more on that in a second. Our pod drops every Tuesday morning, and we are now up on iTunes and Spotify. And you can follow us on every social media platform for bonus content. That's mostly Franco's vlogs. No longer wearing the sunglasses. Why the change? I was very surprised. Well... They're going to be in every video. It's going to be like, where's Waldo? I might just like have him in the background or hanging off like the tree. Or so. They're going to be in every one. It's going to be part of the Miami total football experience. So uh, expect to have them maybe not on my face or on my head, but they'll be somewhere in the video. In the I, li- I like it. Something for, for our listeners to look forward to and viewers uh, in that case. So where can you see us or where can you listen to us? MIA total football on Twitter. Miami underscore total underscore football on Instagram and Miami total football on Facebook. All right, let's get to it. As I noted earlier, you just arrived from practice in Fort Lauderdale and have news or no news on Juan Algodello. What is uh, the situation right now? What has the club told you about his injury and eventual recovery? So the team hasn't divulged any information with regards to Juan Agudelo's health and his status for this weekend. Uh, he injured. He got injured a couple weekends ago in that first preseason friendly, first official preseason friendly against the Philadelphia Union. Uh, told me afterwards uh, on the field he suffered a hamstring uh, tweak when he was trying to avoid Andre Blake while running for the ball in the penalty area. Uh, and today what we saw was Juan Agudelo training isolated off to the side with a trainer. So. They haven't said that he's out. They haven't said if he's day to day. They haven't. The team hasn't said anything with regards to to his injury. But it's starting to look like he might miss out on on this weekend's opener. 
Right, and we're recording this on a Monday. There's practice on Tuesday, practice on Wednesday, Thursday. I believe there's practice on Friday as well. And Saturday at, in, in L.A. In L.A. They, so they fly out. Are they flying Friday night or Saturday morning? Flying Friday uh, after training. After training. Okay, so they're still, what, three or four days for recovery. The thing with hamstrings is that you never can really predict um, – how long it will take for for re- recovery but this is problematic you because given that Caranza is injured as well there is a dearth of players who can play in attack and i have to assume that Diego Alonso expected to use Juan Agudelo in his 11 against LA on Sunday LAFC yeah well you know just to touch on Julian Carranza this is a similar situation in terms that Julian Carranza gets injured in preseason uh, at a training session, two weeks later, Diego Alonso was asked about it, and he kind of pleads the fifth uh, to the media. It's like, oh well, you know, the medical staff has to, you know, give the diagnosis, and we don't know anything yet. And then, you know, hours later, it's announced that, you know, or it's it's reported that uh, Julian Carranza is out ten to twelve weeks. So, again, it's the same situation. As Diego Alonso was asked this weekend after the the win over the Tampa Bay Rowdies about Juan Aguilar's status, his update. He said, oh, we don't know yet. It's the medical staff. So it's, again, kind of the similar similar uh, approach to not revealing anything about injuries. I think it's, uh, I don't know if they're trying to be mysterious and trying to keep that, you know, that card up their, up their, up their sleeve just because LAFC might not know who they go with uh, if, if Agudelo and Carranza can't go. Um, but, yeah, I mean, once Carranza went down, Agudelo was the, the first choice or the, the second choice starter um, at, at, at striker. So, he started that preseason, that first preseason friendly uh, in Carranza's absence against uh, the Philadelphia Union. It goes down about halfway into the the first half, and now it's uh, it's a tough spot for them because they still haven't signed that that forward that they said that they're looking to sign from abroad. Bueno, me, para eso están los doctores para poderlo explicar. Simplemente no hemos podido utilizarlo en estos días. Esperemos poderlo utilizar en los próximos. Well, speaking of Philadelphia Union, you were in St. Pete once again for the second preseason game, although this was a heavily rotated squad. The starters actually had a closed-door scrimmage against FC Dallas, and very hush-hush well, about the result. I heard they, they lost, by the way. Um, you know, again, Inter-Miami said it was a scrimmage, that they weren't keeping score, that you know they didn't publicize anything on Twitter or their social media accounts. Um, but what I heard was that they lost that game, and today, uh, during today's availability, there was mention of, of their disjointed performance, so it sounds like they lost. Oh, wow, and I wonder where, where that came from, the disjointed performance. Not exactly what you want to hear as an Inter-Miami fan just a few days away from the season opener. Insofar as the, uh, the squad that played, um, that started the game, what were your takeaways about the players and how they performed? Well, the first takeaway was, you know, there was a huge amount of fans that turned out for this one. Uh, the Siege was out there. Vice City was out there. Southern Legion was out there with flags, uh, drums, banners, the whole nine. Um, it felt like uh, like a, like the last preseason game before the, the, the matches really get going because the turnout was impressive. Uh, you know, the team, the fans greeted the team at the team hotel, which is literally right across the street from Alang Stadium. Um and shared a nice moment. Nico Figal even got on the drums at one point, started banging the drums. So uh, it was a cool moment, and the fans provided a, a heck of an atmosphere uh, at, at the stadium. Uh, as for what we saw, it was it was a reserve lineup, um, more of the same in terms of the style of play. We're trying to keep the ball on the ground, build through possession, build through combinations and movement. 
Um, but the interesting thing was that they played a, a 5-4-1 uh, in this game. They played with wingbacks. Roman Torres, surprisingly, was with the reserves in, in this one. Uh, he, was, he played right center back. Uh, got really far up the field on a few occasions, especially in the first half where he dribbled and three-fourths of the way or got three-fourths of the way with the ball at his feet and then picked out passes. Uh, so, again, the style of play was similar. The formation was a bit different. Uh, and obviously there was a bit of a drop-off in quality. Well, that's a good sign in terms of versatility, and that's what you want to see. You you talked about last week, um, or last week you talked about how Diego Alonso said that it would take a few weeks for him to discern what the weaknesses of the team are, and I'm assuming that by trying different formations, different tactics, that is a good way to see whether players are versatile, whether they can play in different positions, different systems, uh, in some way to accommodate uh, different opponents. That's what he said. He, was, he said he wanted to see which players can adapt to the system, and who can do well uh, in that regard. Uh, I thought Mikey Ambrose at left back was was pretty solid. Alvis Powell at right back mm, had a bit more of a mixed performance. Um, but yeah, I think Diego Alonso wanted to see some different things uh, and wanted to see the reserves in in a match uh, and see you know who could offer what as he as he starts to really paint you know clear up his picture for what 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 the team can do and who can do what uh, as the season. Uh, closes in. Did you manage to talk to any of the supporters and ask them about their expectations or uh, was there any conversation about what they were looking forward to, uh, what they anticipated from the season and from the team? I didn't have any direct uh, dialogue with any any of the fans, but you could tell just from the vibe and the atmosphere that they're excited and that there's belief in that uh, this team can do good things, especially, I mean, when you see that they're such uh, aesthetically pleasing uh team you know the way they play the way they build up the way they keep the ball on the ground and try to uh, create opportunities that way which you said you mentioned weaknesses earlier and something Diego Alonso wants to identify uh, for me that's something that's after two games in preseason again it's only two games but that to me that's something that was a bit concerning to take away was that the team for as nicely as it played and as well as it combined and uh, all that Still didn't create a lot of clear-cut quality scoring chances. That and and that's something that happens with some with some teams yeah, that that, and, that like to possess the ball because their instincts and and the instructions are to, to to keep keep it moving. And you know then you you play it safe instead of maybe pulling the trigger on a shot or a cross. And this is one of those things that we're going to get into a lot more detail once the season starts. Once we're seeing games week in and week out. And we have to be honest here. When you talk about a new coach coming in and teams uh, practicing. Inter Miami haven't had that much time to play together. Diego Alonso hasn't had much time to draw any con any real conclusions about his team, or at least any conclusions that will carry out throughout the season. So it's also going to be a learning process. Again, something he said from game to game, and I'm sure that we're going to be seeing a lot of changes. One of the things that that I want to note is that we'll be there at the season opener here in in Miami. And we want to talk to you guys in Fort Lauderdale, and we want to talk to to you guys, the 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 supporters and people in the supporters groups. We want your take. And while I'm on that topic, we might as well mention that. And I said earlier on that we were going to answer your questions and respond to your comments. And we're trying to figure a way for you, uh, figure out a way for you guys to interact with us. And and uh, Franco 
has discovered the perfect hashtag through which you can communicate with us on whatever social media platform uh, you tend to use regularly. Well, since we're Miami Total Football Radio or Miami Total Football Radio, uh, it only makes sense to, to do hashtag MTFR or, you know, MTFers. That, that should be our listeners, the, the baddest MTFers out there, not to be confused with, uh, with anything else. Yeah, absolutely not. And we want to meet all you MTFers uh, when we have our first home game and we'll record uh, some of your answers and some of your comments live. But until then... If you're listening, if you want to interact with us, if you want your opinion heard on the show, definitely get in touch with us. We look forward to meeting you. So the wait is over. The season is upon us. The 25th anniversary campaign kicks off this Saturday with DC United against Colorado Rapids. But the one we care about is Sunday. Miami making its much-anticipated debut versus LAFC. Only six years removed from David Beckham's announcement that there would be a team in Fort Lauderdale. We saw, L- <laughs> you and I saw LAFC lose to Leon last week in the CONCACAF Champions. They lost 2-0 in Mexico. I thought there were some good moments for LAFC playing against a team that is already in midseason form. A very good team, by the way. What were your takeaways from that game And how do you anticipate things going for Inter-Miami in California? Defensively, that was was the big question mark for LAFC going into that CONCACAF Champions League opener uh, because they traded Walker Zimmerman, uh, their center back, one of their center backs, the week prior. So that was a big question mark going in, and there's still questions uh, after that match, especially with the way Dajon Djakovic played. Uh, Even on the last goal, man, it was just... Such a rough play for him. Just to, he races back, it creates a, a deeper onside trap or offside trap for for Leon, and they get the the dagger of the insurance goal. So, uh, LAFC obviously it's their first game of the year. They they still have the off season cobwebs and rust to shake off. So, I mean, they showed some good things in the attack. It wasn't a lot, but they showed some good things defensively. They did not look good. And I think that's where Diego Alonso, if he was watching, which I'm sure he was, was licking his chops because that's that's where Inter Miami can can inflict some damage uh, this weekend. Yeah, and this is a big step up for Jakovic. He was playing for the Cosmos. He was playing in Las Vegas. So uh, NASL and USL teams, this is a very different level uh, playing against a Liga Emekis team that only a season ago was playing in the final um, of their nation's domestic league. I thought that Brian Rodriguez had a couple of good moments. He actually had a shot that was just wide uh, of goal. Uh, Carlos Vela also had his moments. I'm always uh, pretty impressed, even when he has uh, a bad game with Mark Anthony Kay. I think he's a fabulous player for the Canadian national team and for LAFC. And, of course, no Atuesta in the midfield, which also makes a, a, a huge difference. So growing pains. And we could go off about CONCACAF competition with MLS starting their season when everybody else is basically in the middle of their season. So this is always going to be a losing battle. And I don't think, again, we can draw too many conclusions when it comes to LAFC hosting Inter-Miami on Sunday. I mean, I think, I don't I don't agree with that. I think Inter-Miami is going to watch not only that game, they're going to watch this Thursday's or this week's game. 
and they're going to draw conclusions that that's that, a good point. I almost, I almost forgot that they were playing this week. Yeah. Second, like, and that's, that's something that was talked about today in training um, was inter Miami will head into this game with inter Miami will head into this game with fresher legs. Uh, LAFC has another CONCACAF champions league game this week before uh, Sunday's opener. So while Miami's traveling and they will be away from home, they will be the fresher and more rested team. Uh, and I think that they're going to watch that game intently uh, I think it'll be homework for, for the team to watch that game and analyze LAFC and, and what they do well, what they don't do well. Because, again, this defensively, the team l- looked not like the LAFC team that, that we saw last year. They looked poor uh, at the back. And even in the attack, you know, they had their moments. Yeah, I agree with you there. They had some moments. They had a few chances that maybe they should have put away. Uh, Brian Rodriguez, I think, had a clear one, and, and he, he pushed it wide. Um but even the attack wasn't obviously as, and again, it's early, but wasn't as sharp as as we've seen it be. Carlos Vela had a pretty quiet game for his standards, and I think Inter Miami will take lessons and, and draw conclusions from that and, and try to mimic uh, what Leon did, especially if Leon does it again. And we have yet to see, too, how LAFC approaches this second leg game against Leon. I mean, you said... You essentially suggested that the tie was done and dusted with a 2-0 lead. Now, I don't know that going to um, play LAFC at their home ground, a game is ever done and dusted because their attack can be so prolific. And, you know, let's remind everybody that they set the league record uh, for, for points last season. They boasted the league's best attack. Carlos Vela was the MVP uh, linked with Barca once again over the offseason. Broke uh, Joseph Martinez, Joseph Martinez uh, single season scoring record. So this is a team that we know can score goals. And perhaps, even though that you say that they, they, they may be more exhausted because uh, they have an extra game in the midweek, this could be also an opportunity for them to, to get match fitness. And that may be an advantage that they have over Inter Miami. Yeah, I mean, uh, tough for me to say that they're going to get match fitness and then have to play again three days later, you know, when you have to recover and rest your legs. So I think that's something Inter-Miami might want to take advantage of, maybe press them uh, in certain moments, maybe not right off the bat, because obviously LAFC will come out with energy, with their with their crowd behind them, uh, the season opener, all that goes into to the first game of the season. But I think once that momentum kind of settles down after the first 15 minutes, I think if Inter-Miami starts pressing uh, a little more aggressively and trying to take the ball from LAFC as opposed to maybe sitting back and countering, then I think maybe Inter-Miami could, could find some success that way. However, it is a tall task. It is a tall task. Even with three days rest for LAFC or short rest for LAFC, they still were the best team in the regular season last year. Yes, they've lost some key pieces. They won't have some key pieces uh, this weekend. But Inter-Miami, on the other hand, is a team that's still coming together. And there was talk about that again today at practice about how things are still coming together. I think AJ De La Garza even said it. It's like, you know, the difficult thing is that pieces still are being added and there still will be added. So the team is still learning how to play together. And that's the tricky part for Intermite. You also spoke to Victor Uyoa um, after practice today and you talked about or you asked him about whether he believed that um, the approach that Diego Alonso wants to instill in Inter-Miami is the right approach against LAFC, considering that they do tend to dominate possession. Sometimes they do sit back and hit on the counter. It depends who they're, the, whom they're facing. What was his response to that question about playing style? 
because it's just real quick, because I can see that against a team like LAFC, if things aren't working from the beginning, things can just, uh, you know, unravel. be, uh, yeah, unravel would be the best way to put it. Well, that's, so that's the thing. So Diego Alonso said he wants his team to be proactive, not reactive. So he wants to be on the front foot. He wants to dictate tempo. He wants Inter-Miami to play an aggressive style. Uh, going in, being an expansion team and going into uh, Bank of California Stadium and trying to go toe for toe is an ambitious plan. It's an ambitious plan. Again, Inter Miami has the benefit of being more being better rested, um, but LAFC, especially in the attack at home with its crowd, is dangerous. Uh, and if you try to go toe for toe, you're gonna leave space in behind and. LAFC can kill you in that regard. So, Victor Uyoa said today that he thought it was uh, it's that that's that's their plan. That's what they want to do. That's who they are, and um, that's how they're going to approach it. I'm, I'll, 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 let's let's see, let's see what let's see if they if they really take that approach and that tactical uh, method and strategy. Because again, LAFC is so dangerous with Carlos Vela in open space that. You don't want to give them that space in behind. So I'm curious to see what, what Inter-Miami does. If they come out trying to go blow for blow, it, we could see a goal fest. We could see five, six, seven, eight goals in this game. So I, I hope you're, you're, uh, you're saying that and... And the the suggestion is that both teams will score goals, and not oh, just that, yeah. and not just that Inter Miami is going to concede seven or eight goals. No, no, no. Both teams will like we can see if both teams go blow for blow, especially with LAFC's uh, defensive issues um, that they seem to, to have, and they seem that they will have uh, until they find another center back or until they find a way to paper over that those those cracks. I think that there are goals to be had. It's just a matter of can you keep them off the scoreboard as well. So uh, I think we could see a really entertaining game. I also, you know, again, with the mystery factor, maybe Inter-Miami for this one plays a little bit more conservative. Not saying they're going to park the bus, but maybe they they look to to keep uh, compact, stay compact, keep shape, and and maybe hit uh, on the counter until they can get uh, their flow into the game at a little bit later stage. Uh, Two big stars, Mexican stars, going head-to-head in that one. Carlos Vela, who I mentioned, of course, Pizarro. And one of the questions that some people have had is whether Pizarro and Lee Wynn can play together in the same midfield. They essentially play the same position, although it should be noted that Pizarro is a very versatile attacking midfielder. He can play on the wings as well, can play as a, a second striker. And I think that we'll see both of them in the starting lineup against L.A. So even though you noted that they aren't creating many chances, there's certainly enough talent there to create chances and to make LAFC uncomfortable, especially with tired legs. And as Franco, as you suggested, some fragility at the back after they got rid of uh, essentially their best center back, a U.S. international in Zimmerman, who has made well, his I like, way. I liked Eddie Segura last year. I liked Eddie Segura. I had him yeah, as, as I had him. I, had, I voted for him as one of uh, the newcomers of the year or the newcomer of the year just because of his impact. Uh, so while Walker Zimmerman is is a talented center back in MLS, I thought Eddie Segura was the better of the two. Still puzzling for them to yeah. to to make that trade but that's the beast so of MLS. close to the, the so close to the season but that's the beast of MLS you have to you know rebuild your team and and, and uh rebuild yourself at, at different times and, and part ways with with key pieces with the with the salary uh structure that's just the reality of this of the situation but it is curious that they do it a week before uh CONCACAF Champions League and then you know two weeks before MLS season begins eh, lo que nos falta quizás llegamos llegamos mucho nos falta 
tener más sensaciones de peligro, muchas veces este, rondeamos el área y no terminamos ni de, ni de rematar ni de, ni de centrar, este, pero, pero no al contrario, el equipo está bien, falta ajustar, buscar tener esa sensación de, 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 de que parezca que estamos llegando porque lo estamos haciendo, estamos muy cerca del, 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 del área de rival, pero necesitamos tener esa sensación ya sea con un filtrado, con un remate, con un centro, buscarlo un poquito más, arriesgar un poquito más en ese sentido y... Y, y así seguramente podremos tener más oportunidades de gol de las que estamos teniendo. I feel that we've spoken more about LAFC's lineup than we have about Inter Miami. So you've seen them play uh, in the preseason with what we anticipate will be the closest thing to their starting eleven, and you've seen the well, the 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 substitutes, if you will, also scrimmage. Whom do you anticipate will be? in the 11 when Inter-Miami debuts officially? So I think we'll see most of what we saw in that first game against the Philadelphia Union. I think that will more or less resemble the starting lineup. Obviously, I think Rodolfo Pizarro, who came into that preseason match as a substitute, I think he starts. Um, and then the rest of the team, it, the only spot that's really a question mark is striker because of Garranza's injury, because of Agudelo's injury. So I think... There, you might see someone like either Jerome Kiesvetter or uh, Robbie Robinson, who looked okay this weekend. He, he kind of showed some things that might make him the choice because of how uh, you know how, how deep into the depth chart uh, Inter-Miami has to tap into at Stryker. But as for the rest of the team, I think you'll see uh, Dil Dylan Nealis at right back. I was just going to interrupt you one second. I spoke to Richie Ryan, who was a former teammate of... Uh, Jerome Kieswetter um, at El Paso, and I asked him what he thought of him, and he said, well, the, the number one concern is whether he would get the minutes, and, and he said that if he did get the minutes, that he would be able to put the ball in the back of the net because he's very good in the box. His movement is very good. Again, it's about the opportunities, but if you have players like Lee Wynn and Pisado pulling the strings behind him, and he does get an opportunity, you think that he will at least get a chance on goal and an opportunity to prove himself, but you don't think we're going to see him probably. Actually, I think I think if you put a gun to my head and told me, you know, who starts on Sunday, you got and you your life depends on this, so you got to get it right. I would say Keith Sweater starts. Reason being, he didn't start with the first group uh or play with the first group uh in that matchup against the Philadelphia Union. He did not play this weekend with the substitutes. So that to me implies that he played in the morning match this past weekend against FC Dallas with that starting group. So I think if you if we had to just, you know, say who we thought starts, if we just guess in here, I think Jerome, that's my educated guess. I think Jerome Kiesvetter gets the start up top because of the situation right now. I think Robbie Robinson, even though he looked promising this past weekend against the Tampa Bay Rowdies, I think it's still too too early for him. And I don't think the team is that convinced that it's he's ready for that, for this type of match. In case you're interested in the numbers, uh, Kieswetter scored 12 goals, got two assists in 25 appearances in USL. So those are certainly not bad numbers for a team uh, that went to the playoffs. So let's start at the back. Obviously, Robles, uh, Robles uh, starts starts in goal. Who's your back for? Dylan Nielis goes from right, starts at right back. He got to start with the with the first group. Uh, uh, the right center back position is interesting, man, because. I would have said Roman Torres hands down uh, a week ago, but then Roman Torres this past weekend gets trotted out with the reserve. So is it Roman Torres? I mean, I, 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 
just based off his experience and pedigree, I thought it would have to be. And who would be his partner? I mean, it's going to be Nico Figal. Nico Figal is definitely starting uh, at left center back. Roman Torres is, is kind of a question mark for me, but again, I'll, I'll say Roman Torres just based off his experience. Left back will be Ben Sweat. I think you're going to see Will Trap. Uh, and Victor Ulloa uh, at, at the center midfielder spots. And actually, I take that back. I think we'll see Will Trap and Lee Wynn at the center midfielder spots. Lee Wynn played at center midfield uh, last season for LFC at times. So I think that will be the, the tandem in the middle of the park. I think we'll see Matias Pellegrini on the left, Rodolfo Pizarro at the 10, uh, Luis Argudo at, on the right side. Jerome Kiesvetter is an option there, but I think Luis Argudo... Gets the nod there, and then up top will be like I said, Jer- Jerome Kiesvetter. So you're talking about a four-three-three. You're talking four-two-four-two-three-one. Four, two, the, sa- right? the same structure we saw against the Philadelphia. So a four-two-three-one, like you saw in the first preseason game. Although there is the possibility of seeing three center backs, given what you saw in uh, the second game. I wish we had a pink one. That's, that's all I can say. Uh, no, they're nice. They're very clean and. I know a lot of people don't like how boring they might be. Apparently, AJ Delagarza thinks that Inter Miami's white jersey is clean. Uh, Franco, you and I jawed at each other before we recorded the pod uh, about the new look, or the look. It isn't new, everything is new. Um, I'll let you take the lead on this. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm not uh, a fan of the look. I think it's a very big missed opportunity that they didn't go with a pink top. I mean, we've kind of known this for a few weeks. If you've been on Twitter or online and you've kind of seen the leaked uh, images of, of the jersey, you knew it was going to be predominantly white. But, I, you know, overall, we, we, see all, we saw the whole thing uh, today, and I, I'm just not, not feeling it, man. I think they, they blew a, a huge opportunity to, to make pink theirs, and that's, you know, it's on the crest it's something the fans. I mean, the team, the, the nickname for the team is La Rosa Negra, not La Rosa Blanca Negra. So, like, why, why, why did they go with white? Why did they play it safe and decide to go white? Pink, pink would have, pink would have been a home run. I, I don't know how they get away from pink when that's. So I think the sense. the selling point there for you, um, the one that I tend to agree with you is: look, you're the Rosa Negra, you, pink in black, and they do have a pink and black jersey I, I happen to not like that one because i don't like the the end of of the sleeves i don't like the collar you clearly have i don't i don't like, i don't like the collar uh, uh that much and it reminds me of of jerseys in the 90s i happen to like the clean as delegarza put it white jersey i like the pink trim uh it's worth noting for those who don't know that the shorts are pink i actually wanted to completely clean white look uh it's almost like a you know a a real madrid kit just with a different color on the trim and i like that now you could make the argument that the the pink should pop a little bit more uh, and it it doesn't it's a it's a light pink but i don't think there's anything wrong with this jersey and what i like about it is i like the cut it doesn't have that silly thick collar uh, uh, of the black one has a button it has a button I, i like the button but I have to agree with you. I have to agree with you that if you're going to be called Rosa Negra, then maybe your main jersey should be black and pink. That decision is mind blowing. Just, I just can't imagine how you decide to go white. I, the only thing I could possibly think of is the heat in South Florida and that being taken into consideration. But again, pink is a light color, so the heat. And I just can't. I don't. I can't think of anything. Any other reason why they would go white. I would love to know why they went white. 
And Franco was very upset about this. He is not play acting when he got to my apartment today. And this was the first thing that uh, came out of his mouth. Have you seen the jersey? Have you, you know, they announced the jersey. I happen to like it, but I think that most people would side for you. The only thing, uh, I, the argument. only thing that like I really like in this home jersey is the inside blue collar that says "Freedom to Dream," and that's a nod to the Southern Legion, the original members who were. Asking MLS for a Miami team even before it existed. And Southern Legion at that point, uh, their 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 logo was that color, that shade of blue and black. So that's a nice touch. That's a great touch um, to pay, give a nod to those fans that were in it from the beginning that helped make this this team and this dream become a reality. That's a no- nice touch. But the rest of the jersey lacks creativity. It's boring. Um, and yeah, I mean, a missed opportunity. Well, let us know what you think on that. Uh, I want to end with this, uh, before we do a couple more promos. From what I've seen, it seems to me that Inter Miami have gone the right way in terms of creating relationships with the supporters groups, going to the stadium, an ode to Southern Legion, uh, are, uh, you know, a tribute to them with that little, uh, detail in, in, in the collar. Is that your perception that, that Inter-Miami have reached out and embraced the supporters groups? Yeah, well, yeah, they, they know obviously how important it is uh, not only for for just having butts and seats, but for the culture of of the club and, and what they want from this club. And you could see it again this weekend um, with the passion that was there, the excitement that was there. It was a, it was a party um, from... Hour hours before the game started, because there was a there was buses that went up to to St. Pete, and people were singing and chanting on the buses hours before the game. So it's a preview of what's to come. And Inter Miami has, in my opinion, rightly uh, realized that that's 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 relationship that they need to build and, and, and they the need to forward. establish right off off the bat. And you know, and, and that thing's only going to build, and it's only going to build, especially uh, once the games here in Miami and Fort Lauderdale get going. Once we see those games and you really see uh, those three supporters groups jumping up and down, singing and chanting uh, in that standing room section only, I think it, that's going to be contagious and that's going to be something that spreads. Um, you know, and I think that other people that maybe don't know about the supporters groups or are going to Inter-Miami games for the first time or Sagan for the first time, that's going to be something that they're drawn to. And they're like, I want to be part of that. I want to get in there. Exactly. My next game, I'm jumping in there. I want to jump up and down and, right. and have a great old time. Because that, that that, that's fun. It's passion. It's, yeah. it's, it's an entertaining. It's a different part of the, of, of the uh, sporting spectacle that soccer has that you know, the other sports don't necessarily have. Yeah, for sure. Well, just the fact that Figal, for example, is playing on the drums with, with players, not something you see usually with other sports. We're seeing that early on. It's also no secret that different MLS teams have had different relationships with their supporters groups. Uh, and, and last year, we actually saw a huge battle between some supporters groups and MLS in, in general, which w- we won't go into. And I think you're absolutely right. You know, much is made about the culture within the locker room, and this is something that is forming with 
uh, Inter Miami, and I actually think, and I said this, and I tweeted it as soon as the the announcement was made that Luis Robles was going to um, move to to Inter Miami. I said that's the kind of player that you want to build your uh, club culture around, and you also want to have a fantastic experience for the fans in the stadium. Fans who, for the most part, are not part of a supporters group, but will be energized, electrified by those supporters groups. So the fact that Inter-Miami has embraced them, I think is super important. And I think it's also important that the media embrace these supporters groups uh, because, well, if if they do the right thing, right? And the reason I say that is because the more attention you can devote to fans who are celebrating the game in the right way, the more light you shed on the beautiful beautiful sport that this is and the better the chances that Inter-Miami will work as a magnet for people who may not be uh, devout soccer fans. Yeah, I mean, it, all that plays a part, but again, like we've, I think we talked about and touched on last week in the, in the debut episode, uh, the team has to win and the team has to compete and the team has to please fans with wins and an attractive style and potentially a star. Well, with that said, the second episode uh, of Miami Total Football Radio, Radio, <laughs> Radio my Radio. friend, we'll, we'll work on it, man. Has, has, come to, has come to an end. And let me remind you guys that if you want to ask us questions, if you want to interact, there is a hashtag for that. What is the hashtag, Franco? Hashtag MTFR. And if you want to follow us for bonus content on Twitter, it's MIA Total Football. On Instagram, it's Miami underscore Total underscore football and just Miami total football on Facebook. And as I said before, it's mostly Franco, but you'll get a little bit of me as well. Well, the next time that you hear this pod, the season will have kicked off and inter Miami will have played their very first game. That's it for today. That's it for preseason for the team and ourselves. Next time you hear our voices, we'll be dissecting inter Miami's very first official game, a tough one in LA. Parting thought, Franco. Just excited to, to get the season going. Uh, you know, we met in New York, so we, I've been covering MLS for eight, nine years now in New York, so it's exciting to, to come back home to South Florida and, and be able to cover uh, the sport I love at home. So looking forward to just getting the games, uh, the official games underway um, when they really mean something, they matter for points. And uh, yeah, let's, let's look forward to it. That was deep. <laughs> for Franco Panizo, I'm Eric Krakauer. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>